At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And a mysterious third host you may hear from moment to moment is um Bear, my dog, who is sleeping here at our feet, so we will we'll be actually doing an ASMR episode <laughs> so as not to wake him. No, it's no, okay. I'm kidding. Um, but the good news for that is that it means that we, all three of us, are in the same room. Yeah. Which is a pretty big deal. Exactly. Because someone is home for the holidays. Oh. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> oh, it's fair. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask if it was a- Amber Horn, the protagonist <laughs> oh, of A Christmas Prince. I couldn't what remember her name. her name? Nobody knows. It's the great mark of a well-established character when you don't remember her name. <laughs> I do remember we spent the entire first movie last year with you giving her the wrong name, like, consistently. <laughs> what did I say her name was? I don't know, but we I just know that we'd be watching it. and Well, we both did it. We'd watch it and we'd be like, oh, what's Alice up to now? And it's like, that's not her name. <laughs> what's, what's Olivia, what's, what's... Adeline, what's... I, mm. <laughs> I think I started just calling her Rose McIver because that's who Sure her. do wish I cared enough about this character or this world to invest in the first name of the protagonist. Well, here we are. Uh, so Addison and I watched The Christmas Prince 2 today. We did. We watched uh, Christmas Prince 2, The Royal Wedding today. Yeah, and so let me just get right out there at the beginning. Um, we are a podcast based entirely on a subgenre of comedy surrounding a pseudoscience, and even despite those dubious at best qualifications, I can't endorse the Christmas Prince 2. The Royal Wedding. <laughs> the Christmas Prince 2, the Royal Wedding. Um, no. No. <laughs> even as many niches down um, in any form of repute that we it's are. another niche in your belt, but like... I, I still can't no, I still can't. Um, I, I can't recommend this film to you. We film, are planning film is generous. Immediately after this episode, we are planning to record a bonus episode for the Patreon where we discuss the plot of uh, various made-for-TV Christmas films. We will, and I imagine that The Christmas Prince 2, The Royal Wedding, will be covered in that bonus episode. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to know our feelings on it, you can donate to our Patreon. <laughs> or if you already do, you can check that out. Or there. if you already do, you can check it out if you really want if to. If you just really, sort of, really. If you have that time to waste and nothing better to do with it. Look, Alex, a lot of people are home for the holidays, and sometimes when you're in a small town, perhaps, you might get a little bit bored. But hey, ounce for ounce in terms of content, we have wasted way more time than you will have listened to to this episode by listening to all the movies that will be covered therein. So you're really getting, like, a highly concentrated... um, Yeah, sure do love listening to movies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I can listen to movies in a way that doesn't require me to watch the movie, but still requires me to be in on the joke of everyone else who's laughing at the movie, that's sometimes worth it. Okay, that's fair. You know? So, um, (laughs) it's almost uh, Christmas time. It is. Yeah. It's the holidays. Uh-huh. It's the holiday uh-huh. se- it's the uh-huh. holiday season. The holiday Na-na-na-na. season. Yeah. <laughs> and I think everybody's in a joyful mood. So I would like to uh I would like to crush that. <laughs> oh. I would like Fun. to obliterate that. 
I didn't mean to do this. I didn't mean for this to happen. Actually, it's just I I got excited about this latched onto. It. I think last last was it last year that we did the Santa episode. We did. Yeah, yeah we did. Last Santa year we did Krampus. We did Santa then Krampus. Okay. The Krampus. I love okay, the so Krampus. so in Addison tradition, then then I don't feel so bad. I've brought a, a Germanic, um, something Germanic and terrible oh. to the table. Um, I was going to do. I'm saving her for next year. I was going to do La Befana. I'm saving her. Mm-hmm. Uh, another. So I'm bringing a different Christmas witch. Oh, fun! Are you familiar with? Oh, and both God and the listeners forgive me for my pronunciation. <laughs> but are you familiar with Frau Perkta? No, I'm not. Okay, Frau Perkta. Or Perkta, I can't. <laughs> Frau Perkta, P-E-R-C-H-T-A. So, okay. <laughs> this particular article from totallythebomb.com refers to I her as, them. yeah, right? A, a source you can trust. Um, refers to her as uh, Krampus's gal pal. But I don't know if that's oh. necessarily, that implies, I don't know what that implies about it. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, the implications of that particular moniker. But I do want to say that. Her lore often goes hand in hand with the Krampus. Cool. Um, she is another sort of darker Christmas time figure, though the backstory of her lore is a little bit more complicated, as I'm going to go into a little bit later. I she, love it. Yeah. She originates, and I don't just mean the actual story, I mean the origins of what became the story. Uh, it, it might very well be another example of Christians taking a pagan thing that was somewhat innocuous and making it into an evil thing, but... <laughs> what? On you know, our like, podcast? Yeah, you know, like, um, with... Uh, for example, pentagrams or the number 666 or I'll do – those all deserve their own episode. But anyway, um, Frau Parkta is essentially a – she's referred to often as a Christmas witch, which is a much better uh, movie than A Christmas Prince. <laughs> a Christmas witch too. The Krampus wedding. <laughs> oh, no. Not that kind of gal pal. But – Frapakta, also called, also I'm going to put a little content warning right here at the tippy top. About, it'll be in the episode description too. A little content warning for discussions of violence. So, uh, because her other, something else she is called is Frapakta, the belly slitter. Let's go. Yikes. So, she, uh, roams the midwinter nights. This is from totallythebomb.com. She is, uh, travels with an entourage of like ghosts and demons and spirits and sort of just various and sundry uh, supernatural folk. Mm-hmm. And she visits homes during the 12 days before Christmas and Epiphany. And she appears throughout Austrian and Southern Germanic folklore. But there are versions of her that pop up all over Europe under a wide variety of names. Nice. So Love it. basically she is considered the personification of Epiphany in her more recent iterations, and she punishes people. She rewards the generous and punishes the lazy, the liars, and the greedy. And basically, she gets especially mad at people. Despite being one who punishes lazy she, laziness, she also punishes people who work on a day they shouldn't. She hates it when people work on the epiphany. She takes a special interest in spinners, people who spin yarn. And she, uh, you're supposed to stop working on feast day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're supposed to sit down to a nice meal of, according to this piece, fish and gruel and hang out with your community. And if you didn't, well, <laughs> she slits your stomach, pulls out your intestines and replaces them with trash. With trash. Dear Lord. Man, she hates if you work. She hates if you don't work. She doesn't like your hobbies. She wants you to mingle with all of her friends. She sounds exhausting. She's very specific about what you have to do. You are not supposed to. You don't work. You don't get to work. 
but you better not slack off. You're allowed one day off. It is the feast day. Otherwise, you better be getting your work done. And if you're an introvert or like super just keeping to yourself and you don't want to go out on the feast day and spend time in your community, think again. Because you're supposed to go out and spend time with the members of your community on your feast day. Okay? You're supposed to mingle. She also um, does not like children who lie. Mm. Um, what she does in terms of uh, if you are a child who lies varies from story to story. But considering what she does if you don't partake in feast day, I think you can imagine it's somewhat violent. Yeah, Would not you like great, to take I'm a guess? Sure. Oh, goodness. Would I like to take a guess? So it's it's different than the belly slitting. Is that to be... Well, she doesn't slit a belly. Believed. I didn't say she didn't slit something else, but... Well, no, no, no. Okay, yeah. so like I'm assuming there is some just like throat slitting. Does she cut out your tongue? Does she... She cuts your tongue with glass fibers. Dear God. (laughs) Sorry. Now, she also, if you're a hard worker who also takes the feast day off, she will give you a small silver coin. Oh. (laughs) Oh, well, don't spend it all in one place, dearie. (laughs) Okay, to be fair, back in the day, it might be a, might be a, might be a lot more valuable. I don't really know. I don't know the... I don't know the exchange rate, not the exchange rate. I don't know. Yeah, actually, I don't know the exchange rate for a small silver coin back in the ye olden days of Germany to dollars now. Small silver coin. Back in the ye olden days. I don't know what that would amount to today. I'm assuming like a decent amount of money. Um, So there's a story in this article that's detailed. And because this is, obviously, I'm not even going to pretend that uh, Frau Parta is a cryptid. This is a folkloric Mm-hmm. Entity. Sure. Um, the stories surrounding her are very much like, once there was a farmhand. And that's what this is. Right, of so, course. once there was a farmhand, uh, the own, this is a story about the owner of a house had prepared, had a room prepared for Frau Perkta and her entourage of ghosts to stay the night. The farmhand, hearing of Frau Perkta's beauty, by the way, there's a lot of discussion, variation on how she's supposed to appear. Okay. Some of the accounts say that she is this beautiful, like, kind of ghostly, like, glowing woman. And some. Sure accounts describe her as like there's a couple other variations i'll talk about uh-huh. but from this version of the story she's like this beautiful ethereal like kind of ghostly woman she's described actually one of the linked wikipedia articles on the page uh, to the page about frau Perkta is talking about women in white the sort of ghost trope mm-hmm. of like beautiful young women in a white dress now it's interesting that she's a frau Perkta, not a fraulein Perkta. any any comments on that i'm gonna i'll go into it more <laughs> i'll get there um so Hearing of her beauty and wanting to catch a glimpse of her, he hid in the stove in her room. Smart. So, oh boy. When she entered the room, she saw the stove. She instructed one of her followers to plug the hole inside. His view now blocked. The farmhand was forced to spend the night in the dark. In the morning when Parkta and her ghosts left, he exited the stove and realized he was blind. The next year, he hid in the stove again. And when Perkta entered the room, she ordered her followers to unplug the hole in the stove. The next morning, the farmhand's sight was restored. Okay. So he did his time for his crime. Wow, all right. And so she uh, did it back. So um, basically, I hope you got all of your spinning done before the epiphany, because if you're doing your spinning into the epiphany, uh, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> You're gonna, you know how people will say, like, you're full of trash, or like, yeah, you know, you, you might literally be, you might literally be filled, filled with trash. With trash. So, uh, hopping over to ranker.com, the popularity of the story of Frau Perkta, kind of as we know it, originated, originated, oh my god, originated, slash originates 
from the writings of Jacob Grimm, who was a mythologist in the 1800s. And that's Does he have of- a brother? <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Uh-huh. Can- may I? Yes, please. Okay. But um, the origin of the Christmas legend specifically is a little bit unknown because the figure herself dates pretty far back in German-Austrian folklore. She was believed to be a pagan goddess in origin. She's the Krampus's friend. I'm going to talk about her origin, too, because it's not really that. (laughs) It's the Christians striking again. Oh, Um, man. They decided that these monsters should be wed before they get up to any mischief. (laughs) Um, In terms of her origin, which I'll go into a little bit more later, she's believed to be a goddess of pagan origin celebrated around the time between Christmas and Epiphany. But basically, the prevailing theory is Christianity overturned the pagan beliefs, and she kind of turned into this scary Christmas time figure, mm-hmm. which is not to say she didn't do some potentially kind of scary things when she was a pagan goddess, because old-timey gods and goddesses were pretty intense. But well, what I'd be curious about, was the Epiphany maybe, like, formerly her feast day or something? There's like, some the overlap. reason she's pissed because people are, like, they're they're doing stuff on her day? Yes, this is presuming she is okay. very much real, I'm saying. Yes. Right, yes. yes correct. I, I, well, I think that's something that some people are saying in some of the sources that talk about sort of the transition between her pagan origins and what she right. is now as a figure. In some situations, there's not even acknowledgement of her origins. She's just uh-huh. become kind of another sort of pseudo-Krampus. Right. So it, there's a lot of kind of confusion. But instead of coal, like I said, naughty people have their... Stomach slit open and trash put inside. Okay, now, two birds with one stone. Why don't we just cut open their stomachs and fill their stomachs with coal? No coal. There's no coal involved. She doesn't do coal. None coal, I guess. She doesn't do coal. So, also, I mentioned that she has sort of a supernatural entourage. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has she has a clique. And specifically, some versions of the story, and this is where you get kind of the sort of what I imagine is probably mm-hmm. the sort of Christian rebrand of the whole thing is the story claims some versions that these are the spirits of unbaptized children. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so they can't enter heaven or hell. And so that's like a whole thing. That's a version of it. There's also a whole, and I will talk about it. We are going to oh, get into this. Oh, that's kind of like the, um, from your walk. What's the monster we found when we were playing that game? Um, the, uh, the, the... One who collects the dead baby. The baby ghosts. Well, the baby ghosts were, we had to take the baby ghosts to the water horse. Right. This is a game that we played. It was wild. It was really cool. Anyway. It's an amazing game. We've talked about your walk before. We'll talk about it again, I'm sure. But but she lets her, like, sorry, pack of, like, spirits and demons also, like, in addition to her Mm -hmm. personal punishment, she basically is like, these are the bad humans. Do what you want with them. Yikes. If you would like. Like, she's like, none of my business, basically. "Mm, Sorry, my (laughs) hands are tied. Uh, So she With all that yarn you weren't supposed to be spinning. (laughs) Right? Like, that's... um, And so there's actually... Uh, and sort of re- reminiscent to me of, uh, like, Krampus knocked and things like that. Um, masks and costumed dancers were utilized by villagers in an effort to keep the evil creatures away. Okay, sort of, okay. Or sort of reminiscent of, like, when you think about the origins of Halloween. Right, um, yeah. So that's some of the uh, origins. Now, also, this is some of the other descriptions and depictions of uh, Frau Perkta. I mentioned that the way she is described visually varies a lot. And the name... Parkta is adapted from a German word that means bright or shining. And in some Ooh. folk tales, she's seen as a beautiful woman in all white. I mentioned the woman in white motif. However, there are other versions of the stories where she appears as like this sort of old like Baba Yaga kind of figure. She's oh. got like this long curved bird beak nose. Oh, 
Sorry. She suggested sometimes be a shapeshifter. She's dressed in rags. There are versions that say she, like, shifts between, like, being the form of an old man and an old woman and, like, just shifting all around because she, like, represents all of mankind. It's like, that's, like, a whole thing. Yeah. Then there's also versions that describe her as pretty much just looking kind of like a Krampus-type figure, like, looking sort of beastly. Um, So no matter what she's serving looks. Yeah, she's serving looks no matter what she's doing. Oh, one of the versions also discussing her appearance specifically kind of leans into the fact that there are different versions of Mm -hmm. the way that she looks and specifically says that depending on whether you're in her good graces or not, she looks different. Basically, if you've done the thing to make her upset, she looks like monstrous. But if you've been good and done all your stuff, done your work, but not too much work, uh, and you're going to join your friends and family for the feast day, then she looks like this sort of goddess figure, this beautiful ghostly woman in white. Interesting. And... Also, um, also people tend to leave out offerings, uh, because she likes the feast day and it's sort of a gesture of goodwill mm-hmm, to her. Sure. People will leave her out like bowls of porridge and leave her offerings, essentially saying, we're celebrating the feast. Mm-hmm. Here's some, some of the feast, which you like it. You, uh, we know you love feasts. We do. Would that be good for you? Exactly. We know you love feasts. Here's a bowl of porridge on our doorstep. It's probably cold now because it's Germany in the winter, but here. And, uh, she also has a special love of spinners. She loves spinners and also, um, uh, who work hard to make thread, but she pers- she expects them to produce a certain amount by the end of the year. So those who come up short are said to anger her, but it doesn't say what she does Dear to them. Dear God, so you're supposed to come up with like a certain amount, but also you can't spin yeah. on Epiphany. So like- also, by the way, I made a face at you earlier, but Jacob Grimm was one of the brothers Grimm. Like, yeah, no, I do. Okay, know I was making that. sure you knew that. No, no, yeah, I was just okay. making a dumb Okay, joke. I was making sure. I thought that you were. Imp- <laughs> okay, I wanted to make sure that that's clear. If not to you, just to you, then to everyone. Yeah, I did know that. Her story was popularized by one of the brothers Grimm in around 1835. He published a book called Deutsche Mythology, which examined German mythology and folklore, and then he had a section that was dedicated to tales of Perta that had been around since. The the 10th century, which is sort of the origin of her in terms of a pagan deity. And mm-hmm. she was related to Berchtold, who led scores of ghostly huntsmen and the wild hunt, which I'm going to talk about the wild hunt, which is a folkloric okay, event. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. So I'll just put a pin in that. <laughs> but other scholars expanded on his ideas and added more elements of horror, and that's how she became scarier. In her original iteration, when Grimm was talking about her, he was focusing way more on her origins as, like, a pagan goddess, and specifically, like, as a deity related to other women that appear throughout German myths. So there's, there's, if you go to, there's a uh, Wikipedia page that mentions sort of, like, not that Wikipedia is always the best source, but you can find related articles that she sort of discussed, or rather similar Figures are discussed under a variety of names. It's not directly related, but a character that comes into play a lot with Perta is Holda, H-O-L-D-A, and she's another deity from way back when Germanic folklore, and there are several other women figures that pop up sort of in relation to her, but she's the one who sort of became this separate entity that branched off and became this full Christmas time story. So there's a lot of history with Frau Perta. And oh, is there a lot of history? With not like, Perta? not like, not like sultry history. Look, I'm feeling it. less and less confident that you're going to be reading me Krampus Perkta fan fiction. So, like, at least let me have. <laughs> Did you ever think there was fan fiction coming? You introduced her as Krampus's gal pal, and I thought we might get. Yeah, that's maybe kind of a fun and flirty episode. <laughs> this is not a fun and flirty episode. It is not fun nor flirty. Did you think Gosh, that darn it. she cuts people open and replaces their insides with trash? 
People have written worse fan fictions than that. You know this, right? I mean, Hannibal's like a whole show. <laughs> Hannibal's like a whole ass show. Okay, you're not wrong. Okay, so she also, another one of her names, she is also called Bertha or Bertha, like, or Bertha, probably, since this mm-hmm. is German, not Bertha. Um, she's also called Spinstubenfrau or the Spinning Room Lady. Oh, nice. And another depiction of her, you're going to really like this. Uh, I mentioned the beaked nose. I, yes. But in one of the iterations, her beaked nose is made of iron. Ooh. Like a, like a plague like doctor a cool mask. Plague yeah. Doctor. Um, she carries a cane. This comes from burrowsofthedead.com. She carries a cane and she carries a long knife hidden under her skirt that she can use to like, if you've been bad. To, sorry, give us that fully one more time. That's the sound of someone having their stomach sliced open. Good, good stuff. Um, so, I like the implication that she would do it like Zorro style. <laughs> oh, yeah. She also, this is when I talk about crossover in terms of deities throughout the region, and uh, she bears a resemblance to the Scandinavian goddess Frigga. Both of them share an obsession that is spinning and specifically, like, domestic neatness. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so they, both of them care about the state of your home and the work that you've been doing. So... If you haven't finished your weaving before Epiphany, like I mentioned, she gets pretty mad. So what she does, uh, I mentioned before that it didn't say what she does to you if you didn't mm-hmm. finish your weaving. She takes your unfinished weaving and she sets it on fire. Dear Lord. <laughs> Which is, okay, I feel bad because comparatively, that's so not as bad as getting your stomach sliced open. Right, that's really not. But it still would be terrible if you were making all this this cloth for your family to yeah. like make clothes from. And she's like, oh, you didn't finish in time. And she just sets it on fire and is like, start again. It's like you're working on a term paper and instead of giving you an extension, your professor just like knocks over a bottle of water on your laptop. And it just takes your laptop and throws it out the window. <laughs> oh my God. Also, if you have failed everything... <laughs> okay, big mood. Like if you haven't, <laughs> like if you haven't done any of the things she wants you to do, like if your house is a mess and you haven't finished your spinning and you didn't leave out porridge for her, oh my god, that's when she is going to slice you open. And in this iteration, it says specifically that she replaces your guts with rocks and straw. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> um, now again, I'll talk about the wild hunt in a minute. Um, and there again is also some crossover with the Krampus. There are versions that describe her entourage as being just a bunch of kind of Krampus-like creatures. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of, like, demon-y, horned beasties, mm-hmm. you know. And if uh, you didn't hear our Krampus episode before, Krampus uh, is a sort of anti-Santa Claus who punishes the naughty and the wicked. An anti-Claus, if you will. An anti-Claus. And uh, he, uh, he punishes the naughty and the wicked. You know. The naughty and the wicked. Exactly. Legend has it. If you hear the wild, the wind and thunder roaring and rumbling through the mountains on the Berchtel nights, which are the last three Thursdays before Christmas, then you're hearing the sounds of Berchtel leading the wild hunt. Oh. So another one of her names is Hola, which is a winter god, like, another one of the names is associated with her is Hola, mm-hmm. who is a winter goddess. And she's associated with the Epiphany, uh, because her name is, this is the shining and the bright, which is associated with the shining star, sure, sure, sure. uh, the star of Bethlehem shining down. Etc. And then there's the dual, that's where the dual nature comes in. So there's the shining star, the beautiful, and then there's the like punisher and the, the crone and the. Oh, why are women so complicated? Yeah, this feels like one big, pardon my language, but like this feels like one big weird version of the Madonna whore complex. Mm-hmm, it's, yeah, it's, for sure. It's like, mm, the women can be either pure and good or. I can be your angle. <laughs> I can be your angle. 
or your devil. I can be your holy or your barkta. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So basically, I love the end of this, the end of this particular piece from Burrows of the Dead. This says, so this January 6th, instead of bemoaning the fact that Christmas is over, why not celebrate Perktentag by telling your kids they'd better clean up their rooms <laughs> or Frau Perkta will come and disembowel them in the night. Kids love that sort of thing. I don't know why that hasn't caught on. TBH. Honestly, I truly don't know. I'm going to, excuse me, I'm going to hop over to my next, to my next section here. Give me just a second. Sorry, I should have pulled Take this all up. the time you need. You know what you shouldn't take your time with, though? Oh, my weaving. <laughs> finishing your weaving, oh, Alex. Oh, my weavings. <laughs> Make sure you finish your weavings, Alex. I love to crumbles. I love to crumbles. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's a meme to anyone else. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> On the Krampus episode, apparently I said that in, like, a, a lull. I think it was actually, it was in the Santa episode. Oh. The Krampus thing. But it was in the Santa episode. There's just, like, this throwaway line where, like, I mentioned Krampus and you're like, I love to Krampus. And you did it in, like, that strange voice. And I don't know why, but, like, um... Like, me and Andrew and Grace, and whenever, like, when we listened to it, we're just like, this is incredible. And we quoted each other all the time. Oh, good. Um, so I would like to talk a little bit about the Wild Hunt. Yeah. Actually. Um, Give it to me. So I mentioned the Wild Hunt a couple times. The phrase comes up a lot when talking about particularly Frau Perta's pagan origins. Sure. That makes and sense. it talks about, and uh, it goes along with uh, an entity that I didn't do any digging into, so I'm not going to speak on him as if I know anything about him, but Bertolt. You don't know him? You don't know his life? I, I truly... You don't know his story? I don't know anything, and if I don't know his life, I know his name, not his story. So I'm not <laughs> so gonna... So posers back off. Yeah, exactly, and now he knows who his real friends are. So I would like to... This is uh, The Wild Hunt. This is from norsemythology.org. And The Wild Hunt, uh, there is this old writing. This comes from... This is a, a record from... Around CE 1127. This is a translation. Um, and this is like an early account of what mm-hmm. is supposedly the wild hunt. So let me read this uh, right here. Let no one be surprised at what we are about to relate. For it was common gossip up and down the countryside that after February 6th, many people both saw and heard a whole pack of huntsmen in full cry. They straddled black horses and black bucks while their hounds were pitch black with staring hideous eyes. This was seen in the very dear park of Peterborough Town and in all the woods spreading from that same spot as far as Stamford. All through the night, monks heard them sounding and winding their horns. Reliable witnesses who kept watch in the night declared that there might well have been 20 or even 30 of them in this wild Tantivy as near as they could tell. So this is a spectral nocturnal horde of mm-hmm. hunters called the Wild Hunt recorded in folklore throughout ancient, medieval, and early modern Europe. And specifically concentrated in the Germanic area. And in Scandinavia, it's called Oskarea, which is terrifying ride. Uh, in Middle High German, it's called Wurtan. I'm sorry, I'm just reading the translation, Odin's Army. Mm-hmm. And in Modern German, it is called Inspired Army or Wilde Jagd Wild Hunt. And it is essentially, I will go into it, but it is these sort of, it is a group of like these spectral like hunters out like, gallivanting through the land and it's like ghost riders yes and making this like thunderous sound yeah this thunderous racket exactly more linked to like the older gods yeah yeah clearly it's not ghost riders this guy but it's ghost riders sweeps through the forests in midwinter the coldest darkest part of the year and is linked to the sounds like i said of like high like Mm -hmm. howling wind and thunder it's very evocative in its imagery and the leaders of the wild hunt 
And when accounts of the wild hunt mention a leader, the figure who fills this role varies greatly throughout Germany. Um, the leader can be Bertolt, who I mentioned. And then all of these, now these names are going to start sounding familiar. Here are some of the other options. Perta, Perta, Holt, Hola, Holda, Fosta, Selga, Selda, Hema, Harla, and uh, Bertolt. So the first, like, seven are variations or names linked to the yeah. origins of the story of Frau Parkta. Cool. So as the Wild Hunt's various names across the Germanic lands attest, one figure is also very closely associated with it, and that is Odin. Ooh. Uh, and that is, Odin is very heavily linked with it as well. So there's a lot more well, that makes surrounding sense if, it. If she's linked with, um, with, with Freya? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense then. And so... In the body of lore surrounding the Wild Hunt, one of the most powerful themes is it's related to, like, the dead and the underworld. Yeah. And this is essentially, you're right, like, ghost riders and the dogs with, like, the dark eyes are sort of, like, evocative hellhounds. Yeah, totally. And so it's basically this either ghostly or demonic hunting party that rides across the land in the dead of winter. And so going back, it. yeah, so oh, it's, cool. oh, it's amazing. That's, like, the most metal thing I've heard all oh, day. Oh, it's so great. And, it, and it's so... When you think about winter, particularly winter in these places that are very cold and very snowy and mountainous, you imagine sort of the way that the winds can howl in the dead of night. It gets dark so early in the Mm -hmm. winter, especially back in the days before electric light. And it's so hard to keep a sense of like warmth and light during the wintertime, imagining just this thunderous like hoof prints and the like growling of dogs and the mm-hmm. shouting of men in the dead of night. Oh, it's so cool. I'm getting very amped up because it just feels very Yeah, it, it's really, really visceral yes. and like and and just so evocative of I guess everything that I and a lot of my ignorance imagine like an old timey German town in the dead of winter to sort of evoke. Yeah, and, for sure. And so she that's so it's not to say that Frau Perta isn't rooted in sort of kind of intense and, like, martial and, like, kind of scary things. Like, she's already rooted in stuff that was frightening to people in way, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways when you go back into the history. And and there's a lot more uh, really cool reading to be done about the Wild Hunt. Actually, a lot of modern um, – uh, a lot of sites and resources for people who still practice pagan faiths talk about the Wild Hunt and talk about – Parkta and by her various names because she and the various related names to her. So I'm not going to try to sort through all of that, but I will talk a little bit about her um, on her Wikipedia page. Yeah, if I can just oh, yeah. um, for a second, Please. I, I think it's really fascinating that and my brain tends to follow rabbit trails on these sorts of things. And mm-hmm. like I frequently, I mean, I listen when you talk, but it's just oh, no, that my brain will very often like pursue these little lines of thought. Um, and I was just thinking how so often when we're talking about um, gods, especially in the sense of, like, old pantheons. So often, like, the gods are sort of these touchstones for, like, things and lessons and and aspects of, like, our culture and our everyday life and just sort mm-hmm. of, like, the reality of existing in the places and the situations in which we exist. And so um, it was while you were talking specifically about, like, what – it would be like just to be in one of these towns in the middle of winter, mm-hmm. like with getting dark really, really early and like no electric light. And like, um, all I could think about was how difficult it must be to get work done during mm-hmm. that time of the year. And, and so I was just thinking of like a Frau mm-hmm. as this figure that like instills a need 
like beyond one's own sense of responsibility to keep accomplishing things like even once it's dark and like seasonal depression sets in which is a mm-hmm. thing that you don't have a name for back in yes. you know um the in, 1600s in the 1600s germany um but like you know limited daylight and it's bitterly cold outside and you are having limited communication with like the rest of your community around you and Mm -hmm. because you know like you're not going out it's not light there aren't common spaces that are like warm and safe for you to be in like you're Mm -hmm. not socializing at the market or whatever and so it seems to me like a figure in your sort of pantheon or your your cosmology or what have you like someone that was this figure that imposed upon you that it was important to like keep working and to get things done and to Mm -hmm. keep Focusing on your hobbies and, like, to get out and socialize with the rest of your community at this time. Like, that's actually really kind of beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that she was, like, cutting open people's stomachs. No, <laughs> like, I know. I know what you're saying. Woman. I know what you're saying. But in a way, like, it's actually kind of really beautiful that you would have this presence that, like, that people came up with a reason to get themselves through these times, right? Mm-hmm. And that, like, the things that they fell back on were stuff like, you know, Get back to your spinning. Get back to creating. Get back to mingling with people who are going to keep, like, checking on you. Like, maintain your relationships with your community. And in terms of that, I think that Frau Park has got, like, a lot of advice that's still very, very, very <laughs> relevant today during the middle of winter, you know? <laughs> it's, t- it's hard out here sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in related to the Wild Hunt, sorry, I wanted to just really quickly mention, because it's not on that specific page, but another source that I've looked at does mention that it was said that seeing the hunt in passing was an, a bad omen. I can only assume. And not just yeah. because it's scary and maybe potentially dangerous, but specifically that it would bring misfortune uh, mm-hmm. for the coming year if you see it in the middle of the night. Sure. It's not just the bad fortune of having seen a scary thing. <laughs> also, there's a great picture I'm going to show you and I'll also describe it. Um, there are renderings because I mentioned her sort of dual nature and the sort of mm-hmm. differing versions of her face. Some versions go so far as to say that she fully has two faces. Oh, and some, And there are renderings there are masks that people have worn for sort of festivals related to her that have two faces a sort of human woman face on the front and a monstrous face on the back so there's this one that's really interesting so on the front you have sort of what you would imagine as like a classic kind of she's sort of like a white-haired old human woman with like rosy cheeks and then on the back is sort of a like uh like kind of gray like uh monstery monstery excuse me like monstrous sort of almost crumpusy face mm-hmm. and then there are uh variations on how the people dress uh when they're sort of i'm gonna hop over to the wikipedia page i normally don't go straight to wikipedia for sources but there's actually a great compilation of stuff and you can do a lot worse yeah. i mean people on wikipedia it's true it is like exciting. you have to source everything you which do which is not true of a lot of websites it's true so um there's a wikipedia page for perta and this is mainly referring to her in her sort of original form, but this sort of spins off into talking about everything and sort of how she got linked more with Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so this talks about her descriptions of her form. She may appear beautiful and white as snow like her name, or elderly and haggard. In many descriptions, she had one large foot, sometimes called a goose foot or a swan foot. (laughs) Grimm thought that the foot symbolized her being a higher being who could shapeshift into animal form. Ooh. So... He noticed that Berta with a strange foot exists in many languages. Middle German, Berta myth, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. It just means Berta with a strange foot. There's a bunch of different versions. Okay. There's one in German, one in French, one in Latin, one in Italian. I can probably read the French one. Yeah, say that French one. Uh, Berthe Grandpied. 
Okay, thank you. That's one. And apparently it is a swan maiden's foot. This is a grim quote, which as a mark of her higher nature, she cannot lay aside. And at the same time, the spinning woman's splay foot that worked the treadle. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then she's appeared as a little old woman with a wrinkled face, bright, lively eyes, a long hooked nose, disheveled hair, and her garments tattered and torn, which... Makes me think maybe she wants to be around spinners because she wants you to help make her some new clothes. Aww. But anyway, that's just me. That's Aww. me projecting. Aww. No one try to come for me on that because I'm not claiming any of that to be factual or based in anything except for my own personal imagination. Except we are soft. And sometimes we just want to make friends out of the scary things we see in the exactly. world. Exactly. Oh, just out of all of it, any of it. It's the same reason I see like a baby alligator and I go, aw, look at that little guy. So, oh, look at his little teefers. <laughs> So I mentioned (laughs) she enforces cultural taboos. So such as the prohibition against spinning and doing other work on the holidays. Mm -hmm. In the folklore of Bavaria and Austria, she roams the the countryside during midwinter and enters homes during the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany, especially on the 12th night. No, not the Shakespeare play. So she would know whether the children and young servants of the household had behaved well and worked hard all year. And if they had, they would find a small silver coin the next day in a shoe or a pail. Like like the tooth fairy, except for you didn't lose a tooth, you did your chores. And then obviously if they hadn't, I told you what she does. We're not going to keep repeating it. I told you what she does. We know. You get it at this point. It's not good. It's not good. Also, she would do that same thing. If you, sorry guys, there's more rules. If you ate at the feast day, but didn't eat the traditional meal of fish and gruel. Oh, geez. Come on. You're going to get a belly full of straw. She's like, oh, so you don't want to eat what I told you you should have for dinner, huh? Yikes. Hmm. She's okay. She's a little bit controlling. I know I gave her a little bit of credit yeah. there with like that little monologue about self-care. Yeah. But like also she's, she's not great. Yeah. Um, and specifically, there are references in uh, Thesaurus Pauperum in 1468 and Didesim Preceptus in 1439 that refer to and condemn the cults of Percta, which were people, uh, the followers of which left food and drink for her and her followers in the hopes of receiving wealth and abundance in the new year. Ooh. And so then there are uh, later church documents. And this is where some of the crossover happens. It's not, it, it, it's a lot of it is like the church kind of... C- making sure. them into a conglomerate. Um, the church da- later documents uh, characterized Percta as synonymous with Hulda, Diana, Herodias, Richella, and Abundia. So there's a lot of like, just kind of like, oh, all the goddesses. Oh, yeah, with Diana They're too. the That's same. They're the same. Well, I yeah, mean, the Huntress. I mean, she's yeah, the Huntress. Yeah, she's Yeah, she's um, a guardian of beasts. Yeah, and, like, and the she's hunt. the moon. Yeah. Like, if you're thinking of like things that are like white and bright and like exactly. winter time, and yeah, I mean, it makes exactly. a lot of sense. It's interesting. Exactly. It's just funny because we usually think of Diana as like a very well, okay, at least all of the people I know who think of Diana, which is to be fair, a lot of feminist witches, <laughs> um, like all think of Diana very positively, and yes. so it's interesting to like have this monstrous association with her. Yes, I was gonna say I myself am quite a fan of Diana. Oh, we stand. I have a lot of respect for a woman who is. Uh, who responds to a peeping Tom in the woods by turning him into a deer and allowing him to be ripped apart by his own hunting dogs. We love and respect Diana in this house. <laughs> but anyway, in this house. But uh, I'd like to talk about her entourage. Yeah. They are known by Perkton, which is the plural for Perkta, and that's become the name of them, as well as the name of the animal masks worn in the parades and the festivals in the mountainous regions of Austria that are sort of related to her. So that's also the name of the, like, kind of crumpus looking masks that they wear. So in the 16th century, the Perkton took two forms. Again, with that fun duality, you've got 
The beautiful and bright ones known as Schönberkten, beautiful Perkton. These come during the 12 nights and festivals to bring luck and wealth to the people. Ooh. And then you have the other ones, which are, uh, I'm not going to say it because it looks, it's very intimidating with its consonants, but it means ugly Perkton. <laughs> oh, yikes. Who have fangs, tusks, and horse tails, which are used to drive out demons and ghosts. Ooh. So these are the ones that the people like wear and like dance around in. They're like, the pretty ones are, Let's usher in good luck for the year. And then the ugly ones are, let's make the demons show up and go, ah, oh, demons are already here. Guess we got to turn around and go home. Oh, heck. Uh, basically. Uh, men dressed as the ugly Perkton during the 16th century and went from house to house to drive out the bad spirits. Oh, okay. Sounds to me like an elaborate excuse for cosplay, but I'm not going to tell them not to. <laughs> so... That's fine. Um, and then also in Italy, uh, Perta appears, uh, similar to La Befana, who I'll talk about, uh, next year. Hold me to that. But she visits the children of Italy, and, uh, if they've been bad, they get cold. That's very classic. And if they've been good, their socks are filled with candy. Oh, how delightful. Hoo-hoo-hoo. Um, so modern celebrations. There's also a section for modern celebrations on the Wikipedia page. And they mention that in contemporary culture, as I sort of mentioned, she's a rewarder of the generous and a punisher of the bad. She especially Ooh. hates liars. Which, like, I get. Can't but also, stand them. you don't have to cut their tongues with glass, ma'am. That is rough. It's pretty... Let the punishment fit yeah. the crime, yeah. right? Yeah, that one maybe not so much. Now, today in Austria, particularly in Salzburg, where she is said to wander through Hohen Salzburg Castle in the dead of night, uh, their Perkton are still a traditional part of the holidays and festivals. Uh, there's Carnival Fasnacht, and you can find pictures. Uh, there are a lot of them throughout the articles I read of the masks that people wear now. One of those was the mask I showed you. That's the two-faced oh, nice. mask. Yeah. And those appear in the festivals and the holiday celebrations celebrations in Austria and looks look really cool. That's pretty much the end of that. But they're like these wooden masks and mm-hmm. some of them yeah, use like sure. fur. And um, in the Pungal region, Pungal region, I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry. Of Austria, large processions of the beautiful Perkton and the ugly Perkton are held every winter. There's like the beautiful masks to encourage financial success and mm-hmm. wealth. And then fair, the ugly fair, masks fair. to drive away the evil spirits. Then there's other regional variations. There's um, there's, I love this. There's stilt dancers that take part in the celebration mm-hmm. in the town of Unken. And then there's, uh, the trunked Perkta in the Unterintel region, which I have to imagine are like elephant faced a little bit. Like, trunked. I would have to, I can't, so. I don't have yeah. a picture of them and I couldn't find one. So I'm going to have to just assume that's what that means. And then there's, uh, bell running, the Glocklerlaufen. <laughs> Um, in another region, in the Salzkammergut uh, region. And then there's also a lot of ski resorts that have turned it into a tourist attraction because, of course, you're going to, at the end of the day, find a way to make money off of this. So if you're wondering, that is still very much a part of some of the celebrations all around. It still appears um, just like how the Krampus has become sort of its Mm -hmm. own thing and has become a way to, you know, make money from tourist revenue. Well, yeah, Um, I would also like to talk about the fact, one last thing before I wrap up Frau Perkta is, and also I might have been saying her name pretty wrong this whole time. I just did my best. <laughs> I did my best with it. We're just going to go with it. I I don't know German super well. I know most of the pronunciation rules, so I, I kind of just went off of <laughs> yeah. that. But there is a film that released in 2017. Oh, recent. It, it has two titles. I'm going to look it up under both titles. Um, a recent I have... It is, yeah, it is, there are two titles for it. It is either called The Twelve Deaths of Christmas, oh. or it is called Mother Krampus. It is a horror film directed by James Kloss, 
And it is... Sorry, what's that last name? James Class. Oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. oh! So, I found a review of it. It released in the U.S. under the title Mother Krampus, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe that... Yeah, I believe that 12 Deaths of Crim- 12 Deaths of Krimbus is what I just said. I believe that 12 Deaths of Christmas, excuse me... Um, was, yeah. So it's North American release was Mother Krampus, but it's original title is 12 Deaths of Christmas. And it's basically, uh, it is a <laughs> frightening, it is a Christmas horror film. I gathered. It is, takes inspiration from the urban legend of Frau Parkta. This is a culturecrypt.com review. I couldn't find an official synopsis, so this is what mm-hmm. I'm using. Um, and it, a witch said to steal children's souls. Not quite true in the original story, but okay. Uh, Purchase Christmas Curse creatively combines with Freddy Krueger's origin story as a small English town faces the anniversary of condemning a local woman to be lynched for supposedly slitting five children's throats. Oh. Um, so Molly professes innocence, but they kill her by cutting open her stomach. Anyway, so not, but not before Molly summoned Frau Perkta to come for her killers as well as the kids. It's like Freddy Krueger, a little bit of Candyman. It's, it's like a classic sort of like wronged spirit mm-hmm. re- seeking revenge. So 25 years later, Perkta comes back to fulfill the curse. The wicked witch arrives and wreaks havoc on a generic family with dark secrets. Adults start dying, children start disappearing, and then, yep, that's sure, what it sure, is. Sure, sure, sure. It is a uh, ninety-minute film. Apparently, according to this, according to this particular uh, uh, review, it is not terribly good. Uh, well, if you've seen it and disagree, let us know. It does say uh, it says if gore lights your Yule log, Mother Krampus. It features at least several Christmas-themed kills. <laughs> One mutilated corpse is turned into a festive light display. Yikes. I'm not going to go through the rest of the review, but this particular reviewer did not like, did not care for it. They basically said they were searching for a Krampus-themed movie that they liked, and so far this continues the trend of there not really being any. Oh, no. <laughs> so. Rough. But if you were curious, a weird bastardization of Frau Perkta's story exists in mm-hmm. the film of a horror movie called Mother Krampus nice. slash 12 Deaths of Christmas. If that floats your boat slash lights your Yule log and you want to watch it, <laughs> I probably will not be watching it. It doesn't really sound like my cup of tea. Yeah, but I can't say I'm super interested yeah. either. So that is, uh, that is Frau Perkta. I really love cool. her. Actually, I, I have a lot of interest in sort of I don't mean I love her, like, personally. I don't really approve of her methods. I like women that are allowed to be complicated. I like women that are allowed to be complicated. And sometimes it's just really nice to find, like, and I know this is weird, but sometimes it's really nice to find, like, a villain in the historical archives that is just, like, allowed to be a woman that's just allowed to be kind of, like, violent and awful. No, it's actually pretty nice to... Like, she's not seducing anyone. Yes, I was just gonna say. Yeah. It's she's nice not, like, a seductress to, uh, or a temptress. She's not, like, using sexy magics on anyone. Mm-hmm. She's just, like, she's not trying to, um, yeah. you know, like... I think it, it, Anita Sarkeesian might have been the one who coined this. It probably has been coined by people before. It was my first exposure to it. But the idea of... I get very sick of uh, the idea of a villainess having to be a praying mantis, essentially. Like, mm-hmm. seducing and then killing. And, and don't get me wrong. 
there's a time and a place for it. And I definitely have been a personal fan of that trope before. But it is very nice when exploring folklore to find sort of monstrous women throughout stories that amount to more than specifically like, she does a sex thing to you and then you die. Or like- with this one, like it does describe her as beautiful in many cases, but that beauty is not a weapon. Yes. She like, when she appears as beautiful, she's not trying to lure people in. She's not trying to catch anybody off their guard. Like she appears like as pleasant to you. Like she's there to reward you with something totally unrelated to how good she looks. Yes. And when she appears like to do you harm, she's not trying to like- smile at you first. She's just, like, yeah. there to look like a kind of, like, hook-nosed witch and then yeah. her way. Like, and honestly, I really deeply do appreciate that. And honestly, that also reflects, to me, a little bit more my own personal experience as a woman, because I tend to appear better to the people that I actually <laughs> like and want to be around, as opposed to I don't think I present my best self to the people that have wronged me, yeah. or that I perceive to have wronged me by, say, not finishing their spinning in time for my holiday. <laughs> Now, I do just want to quickly acknowledge yeah. something because I just oh, yeah. said it and I didn't realize this until I said it in the way that I said it. Uh-huh. Um, but when I mentioned the concept of the hook-nosed witch, and specifically since this is occurring in Germany, we probably would be remiss if we didn't mention that it has mention some, the connotation. That, that, that has some anti-Semitic Yeah, it definitely roots. does. It definitely does. Uh, when it's described as like a beak, like a metal beak, it definitely yeah, deviates it, from that and gets more into a plague doctor that, imagery. But when we saw but, the, the, but the one mask that you specifically showed me, yes. looking back on it now in that context, is definitely more of an exaggerated nose than specifically a beak. Yes, exactly. Which means that some of the variations are definitely a little bit troubling in terms of their imagery. No, and I'm glad you said that as well. So that's something, and that is something to keep in mind and to pay attention to that there are a lot of specifically, and I would like to bring someone on at some point in the future more qualified than I to talk about this, but specifically traditional quote-unquote like witch imagery mm-hmm. in terms of the yeah. way that like, witchy, I'm putting air quotes on this, women appear in history is deeply rooted in anti-Semitism. A lot of it is. And again, I want to bring someone on more qualified than me to talk about that, but that's definitely something that does should not go unacknowledged. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I mean, like, I'm not here to speak on that. I'm not here oh, yeah. to like say anything more about it than just acknowledging like it, we would be wrong if we didn't notice yeah. that at some point in this episode. It would be re- we would be remiss to mm-hmm. not mention right. that that is a common thread throughout history in terms of that specific kind of. So be aware of that, especially if you're interested in like doing any Frau to fan art or anything. Maybe yes. go with one of the other interpretations of that particular character I, or figurine. And also, like in genuinely, not only is it less likely to carry historically offensive and violent connotations, just the idea of like. A like raggedy old woman with a metal beak is so yeah, cool. Yeah, give her like a wild bird beak. That sounds like really is fun. so cool. An yeah. iron beak. <laughs> she's powerful. She has an iron beak. Oh, she's so powerful. Like that. Like that's incredible. Anyway, that's no, it's true. And thank you for bringing that up. But it is also yeah, it is. It is interesting to me the idea of this of the beauty not being a trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's more like um. It reminds me, I'm trying to think of like, uh, it sort of more reminds me of when you have these old stories, like the Beauty and the Beast uh, thing, where it's like, mm-hmm. uh, she's like, I'm an old scary beggar woman. And then she's like, surprise, I'm a beautiful enchantress. Right. Um, but I don't, that's not quite the same, but that is sort of yeah. what is evoked for me. But, and then I actually, I don't have time to do it, but I actually found out, had a whole <laughs> Wikipedia article about the ghostly trope of women in white mm-hmm. that I definitely... We'll have oh, to that's dedicate a whole episode. I'll dedicate an episode yeah. to women in white at cool. some point because it's one of the most interesting repeated women in yeah, white and we, women in black. We, we talked about it with the Yuki Ona too. Mm-hmm. Um, that came up yes. pretty recently. Women in white and women in black both deserve their own episodes because <laughs> the connotations of the imagery and sort of the way that they 
pervade through every country Mm -hmm. and every kind of storytelling and all the different kinds of spirits because women in white have historically been like the ghosts of like women who experience great suffering and represent like this purity that was lost or like innocence lost Mm -hmm. or it's like a weird like trick or like a weird like misdirect or they yeah there's i'm not going to go off on it right now but it is very interesting (laughs) interesting, and it was very neat to see that evoked with uh specifically this winter time Christmas yeah, witch. Powerful imagery. So um, thank you for sharing Frau Berta with us. Yeah, absolutely. I think she's cool. I think she's got a lot of interesting uh, insight to share as we go into the holiday season. You know, this mm-hmm. is a great time for a lot of people. Um, it's definitely, like, well worth celebrating if mm-hmm. you have things to celebrate. And if you have people to celebrate with, for a lot of people, though, it can be really, really difficult. And, absolutely. you know, so just before we get into the, you know, the trend of just saying, like, oh, I have a reality. Like, some people won't. And yeah. that's worth just calling a spade a spade there. Like, not everybody's going to have an amazing holiday. For whatever reason, you might be in a difficult situation. And I hope that if that is the case, that you at least find some people that you can reach out to on, you know, whatever day you need it, or that you can have something to uh, sort of buoy your spirits a little bit. I hope that you have something that mm-hmm. you can sort of listen to or enjoy. Um, I hope if you do have people around you to celebrate with, whether those people are family or found family or chosen family or whether they're total strangers, I hope that you have someone that you can spend these cold winter days with. I hope that much in the spirit of Frau Berta and her particular ideology, <laughs> you work hard, but you do take a day off. So. And also make sure you eat gruel and fish on that day. <laughs> no. Well, that's, that's, that's a matter of personal. No, no, I think you have to. No, I, <laughs> I'm kidding. Make something that you want to have on your Take day. some time for you. Yes. Take it, take at least one day off, maybe even several, <laughs> maybe even a week if you can. We are going to take next week off. We're going to give, yes. we're going to give Val a little vacation yes. here. <laughs> Val a vacation and us a vacation. Yeah, seriously. Yes, so we will be off next week, but after that, we will be back. Be back uh, with the new year. Um, so yeah, thank you so much to everybody who's made another beautiful year of the Cryptid Keeper possible. Thank you to Val, to our wonderful, wonderful audio wizard. Thank you again to, uh, Andrew, who is the friend of show and also composer. In-house composer. In-house. Uh, that sounds so fancy. I like yeah, to say right. it like that. Uh, that's good. Thank you so much to Lunar Light Studio, our little podcast home, especially for the holidays. Uh, on that note, keep your ears peeled. There's a special little Lunar Light project dropping for you guys on Christmas Eve day. We really, really think you'll enjoy it. Both Addison and I were involved and we hope it'll bring a little smile to your faces. Mm-hmm. A little holiday warmth to your home and your hearth and your heart. Oh, so nice. Um, and thank you as well to our newest sort of professional association, uh, the One Shot Network, which is going to be who we are partnering with to produce a Horror Borealis in 2019. So if you haven't heard that news, we're very, very excited about that. We're so excited. <laughs> we're really, 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 really excited. <laughs> Did I mention about that. excited? <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, another big thank you to friend of show and One Shot Network president James D'Amato. You yes. remember him from our Encantado episode. I was going to say, if you haven't heard the Encantado episode, it is worth a listen because James was a gosh darn delight. Nothing but respect for our president. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, we're very, very excited to be joining the One Shot Network and to be bringing content over there. If you missed even that most basic of announcements, a horror borealis is going public next year. So, in uh, if you've been listening all this time, then thank you so much for making that possible. We really wouldn't be here doing 
doing it without you. If you haven't listened and you've been meaning to, uh, this is your chance to get in from the beginning. So mm-hmm. don't let the huge backlog intimidate you. We'll be dropping one episode at a time right from the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, Which means that patrons will still remain a year ahead and have access to the entire backlog. Yeah, so patrons if, have already got like 40-some yes, episodes. So if you were used to it being a patron-exclusive podcast, it still will... Patrons will still have the advantage in terms of having the newest stories mm-hmm. and having access to the whole backlog before anybody else. Yeah, you guys will keep getting the story continuing from where you are currently. Yes. Um, and you will still be, again, like a year ahead of everybody else. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's still a benefit if that's your kind of thing. So... Thank you all very, very much. Um, happy holidays, whatever you may be celebrating. And if uh, to our Jewish listeners, I hope you had a very happy Hanukkah. I know Hanukkah wrapped up fairly recently. Uh, um, yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. Okay, dang it. Never mind. Well, yeah, I mean, Andrew okay. and I got celebrating a little bit late. Because oh, okay, just, got yeah, it. Got we got pushed back okay, a little bit. Okay, well... But- Regardless, I hope you had a very happy Hanukkah. It was a beautiful eight nights. Yeah, I still think you... I still hope you had a happy Hanukkah, no matter when Hanukkah happened. (laughs) I hope you had a happy Hanukkah. And I hope uh, anybody celebrating, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. And take care of yourselves and your loved ones. And so, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there.